at WMEXBoston.com. And on your smart speaker, just say, play WMEX. The greatest hits of all time are back. This is the all-new WMEX. WMEX Boston. After fighting and coaching his way through a storied 47-year professional hockey career, Mike Milbury's gloves are again off for the next chapter. As a radio host, talking about the NHL, the Boston Bruins, and the hockey world at large. Brought to you by Ketchis Law. Since 1986, they've had the backs of every hardworking tradesman in New England who finds themselves injured on the work site. You pay nothing unless they win. So get your free consultation today at catcheslaw.com or by calling 508-321-7000. This is Gloves Off Hockey with Mike Milbury and your friend Ben Rabinovitz coming to you live here in Broadcast House Studios. And Mike, welcome back. I feel like it's been a longer than a week, but... It's ready to go, man, and we got hockey on the agenda tonight. Yeah, we, we sure do. Night before Thanksgiving, a big game for the Bruins, another chance to close in on other records. It's been a remarkable start for this team. I mean, and I, I really don't know anybody that saw it coming, maybe with the exception of, I did hear Cam Neely say before the season started, we, we think we have a very special group here. We think we can do something special. I don't know if he thought it was going to be this special, but uh, it, it certainly has been tingling to watch them play. Uh, and I got to start in this first segment. I want to talk about coaches, and obviously, we can talk about Jim Montgomery. I, I you know, I, I never thought I'd ever see another Mister Rogers in my lifetime, but he might be the closest thing to it. Don't you think so? I mean, every day is another is a beautiful day in the neighborhood for Jim Montgomery. I mean, all of his players are special. And he just doesn't seem to have anything but good things to say. It's a, uh, it's funny. I was talking to Keith Jones, the TNT analyst, former Philadelphia Flyer in Washington, Washington Capital, and <clears throat> he told me the story about uh, Jim Montgomery working for Craig Berube, the St. Louis head coach, where Montgomery was last year. And he startled me when he said, "You know, Berube thinks that that Montgomery is an excellent defensive coach." And I said, wait a minute, that's not the first thing that comes to my mind. I mean, first of all, they're leading the league in offense. They've scored 70 goals, and their power play is 30%, which is remarkable. It's hard to believe that anybody's got a better percentage than that, but a couple teams do. I was in Boston for the game against Chicago on Saturday, and uh, I was surprised to find that I was looking at a different animal on the ice for the Bruins. They had complete control of the hockey game. I know Chicago is not very good, but they're, they still have some quality players. And But this was men against boys. Their puck possession was incredible. Uh, their player rotations to get themselves open was constant. It was the movement, the flow was really interesting to watch. And, you know, so you think about Jim Montgomery as an offensive coach. Well, that's the first thing that came to my mind. But, you know, take another peek at the the other side of the coin. They lead the league in goals against as well. I mean, they're giving up just a tad over two goals a game. And when you're scoring at a rate of four goals a game and you're giving up two goals a game, my math's not always been a strong point, Ben, but I think you're going to win a lot of hockey games at that ratio. I'm right there with you, but I couldn't agree more. Whatever the numbers say, I still feel like they're going to win. Well, and penalty killings, you know, that's right up there at 88%. That's that's an astounding number for them. But it got me thinking about the coach, other coaches in the NHL and what would be my top five. Um, I mean, there are a lot of good ones and some not so good ones. I'll stay away from that. But let's start with number five and work our way down. Um I really like Rod Brindamore's approach to the game. Carolina coach has been, a, you know, it's not always easy there. When you have an owner, this Tom Dundon is a loose cannon, and he can be really difficult to deal with. And I can tell you, as a coach, as a general manager, that one of the worst hurdles you can have to uh, cross is dealing with a, 
an owner who was successful in business now thinks he can be successful in the hockey world. It's just not that easy to do. Yeah, that's always a thing. And thankfully, that hasn't been too, too much of an issue here, I suppose, for the most part. No, actually, the Jacobs have been really, you know, they, they have stayed out of the hockey ends of things. Yep. for Let the hockey people do the hockey stuff. That's right. And, and anyway, uh, he's a fairly plain-spoken, positive guy. Players coach. First three seasons, all excellent. All playoff teams. Coach of the Year award. And they just signed this kid. The one thing I worry about Carolina is their goaltending. They just signed uh, Peter Kochikov. He's 23, six foot three. He's played two games, won them both to a four-year extension. So it looks like they're invested in him. Number four, best coach in the league. I think it's Lindy Ruff. Last year, the crowd in the Meadowlands in New Jersey was shouting, fire Lindy. Now there's now they, this is pretty clever sorry, actually. Sorry, Lindy. Yeah, sorry, Lindy. I it's, heard it's pretty, that. I said, "Wow, is, is the is the fan base eating crow right now?" That's oh, I know that's a first, isn't it? I it doesn't mean, happen that way. No, uh, he's you know he started his career in Buffalo as a player. He was, he, the joke about Lindy was he he was rough at home and Lindy on the road. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. That's, that's great. That wasn't fair. He was hard nosed player, hard working captain for a bunch of years, and then he you know he worked his way as that type of player does uh, as an assistant coach to on the on the Panthers where they went to a Stanley Cup final. And then he became a head coach in Buffalo for well, 15 years, a long time, Stanley Cup finalist, and one of the most controversial cup-clinching goals of all time by Brett Hull, whose foot was, I think, fairly obviously in the crease at a time when that was not allowed. Mm-hmm. But they, they, they called it a good goal. And this is another solid guy, down to earth, honest, fair. What you see is what you get from Lindy Ruff, and and now New Jersey is just hot as a pistol, and, and I'm probably going to set some records along the way. Got an interesting game against the Leafs tonight, so good challenge. But the Leafs are dinged up. Morgan Riley, their top defenseman, is out, and I don't know what they're smoking there. But get yourself a real goaltender, not a used guy like Matt Murray. That's an aside. Right. Number three, Bruce Cassidy. I mean, talk about earning your opportunity. He spent years in the IHL, and then he got a shot, a short gig in Washington, which didn't work out for him. And, uh, and then he was in Providence for eight years, up and down the East Coast, buses. I mean, crappy pizza after the game. And that's a long time to finally get a second shot. And, you know, he was here for, what, six years? And yeah. there were two. There were two shortened season. One by COVID. One by a labor stoppage. But the other, all four other seasons, they had over a hundred points, and he nearly missed as Lindy Ruff did a Stanley Cup championship when twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Yeah, it was a tough one for us to remember. It was a tough one to watch. It was really a St. Louis earned that game, and Boston inflicted some of their own damage on themselves. But that's neither here nor there. Um, winning percentage, crazy, but somehow went off the rails here. And I guess we're never going to know, but I just can't believe that, you know, this guy, I, I listened to him in press conferences. He's the opposite of Bill Belichick. He was, he was open. He was kind of funny at times. He was like, he just, and I thought he, if he's like, he must be like that with the rest of the players. And I guess yeah. maybe not. And I, I've heard that, you know, that firing came from on high. Uh, and I can't confirm that, but I have it from pretty good sources that Sweeney didn't have any choice but to fire Bruce Cassidy. And that means there's only a couple of choices that <laughs> up ahead of him that could have been responsible for that. But listen, they're going great in Vegas. He, he holds people accountable, which I appreciate, and he has high expectations, which I also appreciate. So I got him at number two. Um, but to be in the top... Elite tier one or two, you got to win championships, and John Cooper has has done that recently. Probably the most unlikely successful coach in the National Hockey League. I played high school hockey, but then he didn't play anything in college. He went to Hofstra in New York, just down the street from where I used to live on Long Island, and he played lacrosse. And after that, he went to law school, practiced law for five years, and then started to pick up the game in some beer league where. Somebody said, geez, we could really use a coach at the local high school, and he, he did that. And then all of a sudden he was getting jobs at low-level 
USHL Junior or IHL uh, leagues. And finally, Tampa hired him to be their head coach in, in the American Hockey League where they went on to win a championship. And next thing you know, he's, he's driving the bus for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they have a bus to drive, boy. He, he, he got the job done with some talented people. It's not always easy to, co- to coach talented guys. People assume that it's going to be easy. But there's some pretty big egos there that you got to deal with. And, you know, I don't know, maybe it's his ability to speak. Maybe all it's training as a lawyer that, you know, gives him the edge that he can get into people's heads and get into people's ears. And now three straight trips to the finals. First two resulted in wins, and then they ran into that that beast in Colorado and lost that one. But To be fair, nobody was going to beat that. No, I don't think so. But he's a slick guy, uh, Cooper, confident. And seemingly likable to his players, and most of all, extraordinarily successful. Um, and at the very top of the list for me is Mike Sullivan with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I took Montgomery out, right? I said that. I think I said that. I took him out of that. He's just 19 games is not enough for me to really give him a fair assessment, but certainly he'd be there if, if this keeps up for the next couple of years. Right. Uh, I'm happy to make a pick for like Sullivan. Because he's much closer to the type of coach that I wanted and that I wanted to be. Um, No-nonsense guy. Got a little bite to him. You know, he doesn't do it publicly, but I know from having been around him covering games for a number of years that, you know, he, he doesn't – he's not afraid to step on Crosby's toes or Malkin's toes. And he probably – makes it up to him later, but he, he does address when there's an issue, it gets addressed. Uh, and he makes bold moves. You know, this is a team that just recently was on, what, a seven-game losing streak, and now they're on fire. And, of course, part of that is Crosby. I think he's got 11 points in three games. But it's, you know, you got to give the coach the tip of the cap in this situation. This is a guy that, uh, you know, had a couple chances, one in Boston. It was sort of an unfair chance. They had a work stoppage, and the rules were far different coming back, and the Bruins weren't ready for it, and so he got the boot. But um, he came in midseason with Pittsburgh. Only six coaches have won in that situation, won the Stanley Cup, that is, and he's one of them. And then he won it back-to-back. And now he's taken a team that was tumbling and some were questioning because they went back to the old guys again, and they're right back in the mix. So that's my top five. Got any issues with that, Ben? I have not a one with those top five. Matter of fact, I agree with them a thousand percent. And not just because you wrote the list down in really big words either. I mean, I actually agree with that with you, buddy. So well, let's. A couple of an honorable mention, too, by the way. I want to just. Oh, yeah. Pete DeBoer, mm-hmm. you know, he's been shopped around a little bit, but he's a solid guy. Jared Bednar won a championship. I guess he's. I guess he's a tough guy in the room. He and he was a tough guy on the ice, by the way. Makes sense. And Craig Berube, who's, you know, you know, for a tough guy, he's a per, pretty cerebral guy, and he's done a great job in St. Louis. And Doug Armstrong and he righted that ship. So, tip of the cap to them too. So, we got to take a break, right? Yes, we do. And when we come back, we got Kevin Dupont to the Boston Globe joining us right here on Gloves Off Hockey on 1510 WMEX. Don't touch that dial. We will be right back. Right back at it here. Gloves Off Hockey with your friend Ben Rabinovitz, Mike Milbury, and now being joined on the phone by the Boston Globe's Kevin Dupont. Kevin, welcome. Thanks, Ben. Great to be with you guys. All right. I want to know, are you on your cell phone? Yeah. <laughs> I am, thankfully. Well, you, your deal. So tell me the story. You lost it at the gym? What? Yeah, I lost this is This is somewhat, somewhat raw to talk about. But, yes, it was 5 o'clock on, uh, or, or, or actually closer to that. It was around 5.15, and I was working out, and I came back to my lockers. Everything was gone. And, uh, of course, I had a game at 7 o'clock at the Garden. <laughs> your and, clothes uh, were gone, or...? Yeah, my clothes, everything was gone. The only thing that wasn't gone was what I'd stri- stripped off before I went into the shower. For You know, I went, did my 45-minute, it's not a run, but it's, you know, an act, active walk at my age, and uh, uh, came back, and, and everything was gone. So when I came from the shower, everything was gone, and 
and uh, that's that a problem. Cell phone wallet, you know, dog tags to get into buildings, all those things, and it was it was a nightmare for four days. And, and thankfully, with with the help of uh, a number of uh, law enforcement people and uh, the good folks at the club, uh, everything showed up today. So all right, I don't know. Wow, everything. I, I really don't know. I really, yeah, everything. I, and I really don't know what happened and. Uh, it could be a number of things, but the most important thing, <laughs> the good news is I'm here, I'm talking on my phone, and uh, I don't have to sweat whether, you know, some some guy in some distant country uh, with, a, with a computer is, is draining my Social Security and my 401k <laughs> and everything else. Wow. Well, you, you know, when this happens to you, you really do feel naked, and I guess you actually were. Uh, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I, I was close to it. I, I was really, I mean... It's and it's beyond being you know the the obvious thing of the 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 chance of a seventy year old man being naked in public, which is just appalling. <laughs> uh, beyond that is you're you're immediately reduced, Michael, to to a nothing. You know you can't you you've got no money. You've got you've got no ability to pay for anything. You've got no you can't get in a building. You have no ID. You don't even have any pants. Yeah, yeah, so you your pants, and and so if if I went back to the old garden in in the when I came on the beat, in the mid- you would have fit mid- right mid- in at the old garden naked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, my point is, the security guard he may not have known your name, but he knew you were there for the last every day for the last three weeks, and you belonged there. You know, uh, you weren't some guy trying to crash. Well, now every time I go in, and this this is the way the world is. I'm not I'm not accusing anybody of anything. Nobody knows who I am. Nobody. So un- unless I've got my pass, I'm a nothing. Uh, whereas <laughs> in, in the old days, Steve, the, if that was his name even, Steve, the security guy, would just sort of give you the, oh, yeah, how you doing? You know, you walk on through, right? Now it's because every night it's a different uh, it's a different bunch of security people who, who see you through, you know. Uh, x-ray your bag and, and all of that. But, and again, that's the way the world is. You know, I, I grew up in a town where I walked up to Stefanelli's Market and they really didn't care if you paid or not because if you didn't pay today, you, your folks were in the next day and they paid. Wow. Yeah, we had, a, we, had a, uh, we had a running tab at Edmund Waljakevich's Market in East Walpole, too. <laughs> right. And, and we right. needed it. <laughs> so, I'll tell you the fun part. So, this is probably boring your readers. No, it, loving it, this. It'll end up, it'll end up just the three of us talking here. But I can remember going to Stefanelli's Market, and it was it was all the Stefanellis who ran it. You know, Duke ran it. His dad, I don't know, his dad was his mother was Tilly, and Tilly worked the register. And the and the trick was, and this this sharpened my math skills as a kid. So you would put your six items up on the on the on the counter, and it would be thirty nine cents for a box of cereal. Uh, uh, ten cents for the two uh, chocolate bars, and so Tilly didn't have the register. She would just write the. She would take a paper bag, and she would write each item, the price of each item out. Of course, as she's writing it, it's upside down for you, right? Because you're on the other side of the counter. So the trick was to try to come up with the number in your head by doing the addition in your head before Tilly could come up with her and do it with the pencil. You know. <laughs> Old school Tilly on the tail, man. You're not going to beat that. <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. Oh, good times. So, what are you going to do with your Thanksgiving tomorrow? Are you home? I am home. Yeah, we're usually my wife. My, as you know, my uh, my wife's from Buffalo, but we're not going there, and it's not because of seven and a half feet of snow, which I can give you more stories on that if you want. But um, we're just the, the way the pins fell this year. It was better that we were here. So it's uh, me, my wife Brenda, my son Gates, and we'll have uh, actually uh, a, a good friend who is a, who is now a retired parish priest. It'll be the four of us. It'll be a nice day. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes fewer is better than the great big crowd. So yeah, yeah. So Jim Montgomery, who I in the previous segment described as Mister Rogers. Like, I never thought I'd see another Mr. Rogers, but is he the closest thing to Mr. Rogers, or am I missing well, something? It, in what sense do you mean? Because well, I, I mean, I it's, it's every, everybody's wonderful. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, okay. um, and he probably gets off the ice, puts on his cardigan sweater, and puts on his sneakers. 
You know, he just, everything is, there's nothing. I haven't heard him say a bad word about anybody, only glowing no, descriptions. I mean, I, you're absolutely not going to, yeah. I mean, the, the only thing that plays counter to your description, which, you know, much of it I can't disagree with, is is I don't think Mr. Rogers was working his, his way back from being fired for alcoholism. Well, that's true. Uh, I did That did occur to me, but I was, you know, everybody yeah. needs a second chance. But uh, Absolutely. Uh, Unless your name is Mitchell Miller. Yeah, right. So, well, that, you know, case, actually, we'll get to him in a little bit, but because I, I want to hear your opinion on that. Yeah, good. But anyway, so uh, so back to yeah, Montgomery. I've got opinions. Whether any of them are right or not, that's another issue. But you know, <laughs> in this case, he's 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 really impressed me. I have to say, uh, and and to your point about you know, it's always a good day in the neighborhood. I I had, I had written that uh, as as part of a column of just how. Everything was great, and you know, uh, you, you know, if if the trend if the trend keeps going here, we'll have Bill Belichick telling us that Johnny that that uh, this kid is the next Johnny Unitas, uh, and he read that. This is he being Montgomery, and he pulled me over to the side. He said, "I really like that. I got a good laugh out of that." You know, so. And, and I said, "Well, am I right? I mean, is 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 that what you're doing? Is just sort of uh, you're just sort of pumping up these guys?" Well, he freely admitted that's absolutely right. He's he's got no interest in critiquing them in public. Now that was, in the end, uh, among you know, I'm not going to say among. I think the lead thing that that really chafed them in the front office with Cassidy is that he was so blunt in print. But you know, Mike. And I, and I was saying this along the way as it was happening over the five years. There's nothing he's saying that I haven't seen or I haven't already written. He's just sort of confirming it. it, it, it none of the, And the other part of that is we have to be fully confident when he's saying it in public, he's already told the players this five times over, right? I mean, what, you would think so, I, but I, maybe, I, maybe that was part of the problem. Maybe his, somebody suggested this to me that, he was better in the press conferences than he was, you know, with the players one-on-one. But, hey, he's gone to Vegas, and he's doing a pretty damn good job out there as well, isn't he? Yeah, and I think, I, I think so that, what does that boil down to? I think he'll always be an effective coach. Now, the caveat to that is if you, if, if you hand him a horse crap team, maybe he won't be an effective coach. I give you Lindy Ruff, right? Lindy Ruff right now looks like a genius. He didn't look like a genius last year when he didn't have a goalie who couldn't stop a beach ball. Yeah, we so, talked about this. Last year was fire Lindy. This year it's sorry Lindy. <laughs> did you, right. Did you actually right. hear the uh, the clip of that, Kevin, when they when they did that? Did you hear that? I did not hear the clip. The entire... You, you, you got it there? I don't have it at my fingertips. I'll work on getting it for you right now. But oh, yeah, good. Absolutely good. I, I, I echoed. Really like to hear that. Yeah. So you boil it down. You boil it down. What did Bruce Cassidy have and what did Jim Montgomery have? Pretty damn good rosters, right? And, and better, and, and frankly, better this year than I thought it would be. I, I didn't. I don't. Well, let's face it. Nobody saw this. Coming. No one. And you and I. You and I talked two or three games into the season. Uh, neither of us saw this coming. Uh, Absolutely not. I mean, and and so what? So what has gone on? For, well, there's a couple things for me that we could address right away. Like Hampus Lindholm has been, yep, unbelievable. Just incredible, yep. right? And really smooth, really. And, and, and Linus Olmark has been yep. the best goaltender in hockey, and nobody saw yep. that coming either. I mean, well, Lindholm we thought would be a good player. We didn't know how good, but he's, you know, this could be the best one-two defenseman punch since McAvoy and Lindholm. That is since Park and Orr played together for eleven games. Right. No, they, they, they're really, they're, they, 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 who knows? We haven't seen enough of McAvoy being back to see exactly what, what that's going to mean. Are they going to play together? Are they going to be, is, is their greatest effectiveness being uh, split on different pairs? We don't know how that's going to play out. Uh, but again, you've got a coach who's versatile enough, versatile enough and smart enough that he sees those combinations, Montgomery. He, 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 I think he's going to get the most wealth out of that combination than maybe another coach would. Now, I'll give you the extreme at the other end was Claude Julian, who won a cup and was very effective here, 
He set his four lines. He set his three pairings, and that was it. Nothing was going to change it. And, it, and some nights it would just kill me to watch it. You and me this both, guy buddy. is very, very, not quick, but intelligent about realizing, and I, and I got him talking about this. He, he learned it from Scotty, and I could see it even before he told me that, uh, that he's, he's got that sense of the game, as Scotty did, who was the grandmaster of, didn't give a shit, excuse me, I'm sorry, didn't, didn't care about uh, what your name, what name was on the back. If you didn't have it that night, he was moving on. Right, he he changed he changed the line or he changed the pairing. Didn't mean he's going to win with it, but he but he didn't go down the drain with it. And so many coaches go down the drain because they they won't adapt in game. This guy does that extremely well. So we'll see what he does with McAvoy and, and Lindholm. Olmark, what I would say, and I'll see if you agree with me or Mike. <laughs> uh, Lindholm has really is eye candy to me. I mean. He's, Smooth. He's he's light on his feet. He, you know, has a really good sense of play. Whereas Olmark, who is, as you say, is the best goalie. I I haven't found anything spectacular about what he's doing. Do you? That's what you love in a goalie. That's what I love in a What's goalie. That? That's what I love in a goalie. Not spectacular. Yeah. He's so square to the puck. He's out as yeah. far as he needs to be without being out too far. He's following the puck remarkably well. And it's just yeah, anticipating, it's, yeah, following it, and anticipating. And he and and one thing I I would and I have pointed out on the show is is that he has made a big save at the right time in almost every game that he's played. You know, right. when the scores one one in the middle of the second period, and they're having not like they had in Tampa, but like they've had for most of the year, kind of a rough go. He makes a save or two that that keeps the. You know, everybody forgets about the mistakes, as I always say, when a goalie makes a save. Nobody cares who was right. pinched right. in the wrong direction or who lost a back check. If the goalie saves it, everybody forgets about it. Right. So I'm glad you bring that up because last year he, he he had I wouldn't say a rough first half, but he had a very ordinary first half. And his greatest greatest uh, lapses were exactly what you're talking about. Bruins would go up one nothing, and within 20 seconds it was one to one. I mean, that, that happened consistently where he would give up, and, and often they were softies. But whether they're softies or not, boy, it's a, as you well know, it's a killer when you move ahead by a goal and in a blink you're back to even, or even yeah. worse, in a blink you're down one. It's, yeah. it's gut-wrenching. Yeah. Hey, listen, we're going to take a quick break. Can you stick with us for a little longer? Of course, yeah. Here's Great, thank you. Want. Awesome, yep. and we're going to uh, play that audio for you. This is the Buffalo oh, Faithful saying, Sorry, Lindy. Check it out, and then we'll go right to break. And maybe sort of, kind of. Hold on here. <laughs> That's interestingly enough. All right, well, we'll have it when we come right back from the break. How about that? Good. We'll be back here okay. on Gloves Off Hockey. Promises, it promises. Happens all good. over Massachusetts. That's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, I've never seen a an audience humbled like that before. Never, especially <laughs> Buffalo. Well, was it was it Buffalo or was it New Jersey that was doing that? I thought they were. Oh, that's right, they're in New Jersey. New Jersey. I don't know right. why I'm thinking of picking on Buffalo, but I want to pick um, on Buffalo. So, Kevin, <laughs> am I to understand that we think this whole thing that's seventeen and two is a direct result of Mister Rogers' new attitude? Is that it? Or is it? It's got to be. It's got to be more than that. It can't just be. I mean, I, I'm baffled by it. We just talked about Lindholm and Allmark, two guys that yeah. have just been incredibly good, and but everyone across the board, from Connor Clifton to Nick Foligno to Greer to you know Noshik, it's just. It. I went to the game. Saturday they played Chicago, um, and what I saw I was, was al- I was almost there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I saw what I saw was a, a totally different animal than any Bruin team I've seen in maybe ever. Okay, Their tell puck, me why. The puck possession. Their ability to, to, to make the right play on the breakout, which means that people are getting into position to be to present themselves as an opportunity for the defenseman to break out. 
So you're talking about his positioning without the puck, anticipation. Well, and 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 the constant movement that accompanies that. So you know, not just breaking out of the zone, but when they get into the offensive zone, there seems to be, a, I guess the the best analogy I can be is. I can have is is close to looking like Chicago in their prime a few years ago. There was a it's like a it's like a hurricane of activity, and everybody seems to be going to the spot where they can get open, and consequently yeah. there's there's a distribution of the puck which allows everybody to participate, and usually winds up with like against Tampa Bay. I think there were twelve players on the score sheet. I mean, it's just it's, I haven't seen a Bruin team play like that. I can't remember when the last team could do that. I mean, it was just, it was just, wow. And, and I, I was wondering if you saw that or you saw this aspect of their play as well. Yeah, no question. First of all, up-tempo to begin with. Uh, but you can be up-tempo. And, and, my, and my, uh, my, my exhibit A for this is nobody was, nobody was more up-tempo than Russ Cortnell. But, the, you know, as, as the higher the speed went, the, it, it, it broke down. So... It isn't always just speed, right? It's got to be synchronized. It's got to be intelligent. And thus far, that's that's what I've seen here. They are, they 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 do know. And and some of this, is, as you all know, is 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 winning breeds of confidence, and the confidence breeds success. And and so there, some some of that is. I'm not going to say it's inertia, but it's it's just it's it's sort of carrying itself now what whether these guys are actually this over over 82 games rather than the 19 that we've seen them whether they're going to be this productive over over these six months and 82 games i don't know but at the moment it, it is it's extremely impressive and you do have to give a lot of credit to the coach here in terms of this is the methodology and this is this is so right now not only does he look excellent but sweeney and, and neely do look like geniuses for for taking the risk of of installing a guy who was a risky proposition, and it, and it's yeah. paying off. I did. I don't I did think Don had any chance. I think it was. I think he had to fire him. I think he was made to fire him. But I can't confirm that. But I believe that that there was a call from on high. But either way, it right. doesn't matter. It looks like it was the right time for Bruce to get a new job. Got a big pay raise. Got a good team, yep. and all's Absolutely. well. It ends well for everyone. Yeah. But your central point is, yeah, we, I, I don't know that I've ever seen this team play like this. Uh, I've seen many good teams. I've seen some dreadful years, as you know. Uh, but for, certainly the Cherry teams, you you were part of those. They, they didn't play this way. Uh, oh, no. Oh, no, no, I, I think I think this is the team Keenan wishes he had. I, I think there's a, there's a lot of the Keenan and their different personalities, obviously. <laughs> Keenan's... Keenan's a unique personality, but I, but I think. By the way, thought, do you know that I Mike is running the Italian national sure. program? What's that? Mike Keenan is running the Italian national program. He got a four-year oh, contract. <laughs> He's going to be probably managing their team in the Olympics. You know, he 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 certainly he certainly finds his way out of most jobs. Does he? <laughs> he finds his way into them too? It's been yeah, remarkable. exactly because he I, because he is. He's, he, you know, he's, he's got an education background. He is a salesman to a degree, and I think every co- every successful coach has some of that in him too. Uh, but it, but ultimately, it's it, it wears thin with the players. Uh, yeah, there's no which, doubt. Let me let me which, ask. Which is you. kind of interesting because if you're if you're that smart, and he is, uh, if you're that smart, don't you think somewhere along the line you you develop the intelligence too that you've you've got to tailor it somehow, you've got to modify it. I don't know. I, I I don't think he ever changed. I think he, you know, he just beat people into submission, and that worked for a short period of time, and then he moved on to the next. But he, yeah. you know, he won. He won in the American League. He won a championship in New York, where they hadn't won in a bazillion yeah. years. Yeah. But so anyway, interesting. I I could I I could I could marry the conversation you just gave me to John Tortorella. To me, it's, it's sort of the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I talked to Alan May, you know, the analyst from from Washington the other day, and he yep. told me that, you know, Tortorella, and I've met Tortorella away from the rink, away from the press conferences in particular. And Alan's theory is that he's, 
This is what he's done for his whole career to keep the focus on him and not on any players or any players' problems. And kind of an interesting take on it. He he loved Tortorella. He thinks he's cat's pajamas. And uh, so, so he he thinks this this whole attitude is a device. Is what yes, you're yes. He thinks it's a strategy to keep the focus on him and not on players, and that you know he'll always be the focus of of everything when it's going good or when it's going bad. But it, it's just a theory. But um, yeah, could be right. I'm not around him enough to know. I'm around him enough to know that I don't enjoy it. Uh, I, yeah, I no, it's no know, fun, I, is I, it? it? But but uh, what I will say is I've heard a number of players over the years say that they really like him and they've liked playing for him. So maybe that is maybe that is the case. So let me ask you this. Is Brad Marchand the best left wing in Bruins history? Boy. He's damn good. Uh, and it's, it's, it's kind of easy to... Uh, uh, make less of him, I guess, because because of his size, because of his attitude problems. Uh, although, <laughs> what what some people perceive as a problem, I've kind of enjoyed. I you know I like it. Oh guys. God, I love it. Uh, yeah, right. Guys get you know gets gets into trouble. Uh, that said, I I I don't like slew footing, and he's been grabbed on that a couple of times. Yeah, I don't uh, like slew footing, and I don't like licking the other guy. That kind of grosses yeah. me out. <laughs> yeah. So, but but but. You know, is, is whether it's slew fitting or licking the guy or it's a stupid cross check. What was the thing the last time the, he whacked the Pittsburgh goalie in the mask and all that? Yeah, uh, you, you got to admire the want, right? Uh, that, that absolutely. Yeah, just the feistiness of it and, and the, the want of it. Uh, it. It gets it gets mischanneled if that's the right way to put it. But uh, yeah, well, give, give me a bunch of those guys. I think that his ability to, I mean, he kills penalties. He plays the power play. Right. He's, he's, he scores goals. He makes plays. He um, clearly is liked by his teammates. Uh, he's one of the best in tight players I've ever seen. Uh, I, other than the, the occasional lapses in discipline, I, I don't see anything wrong with his game. And okay, could he be a little bit taller, but maybe he wouldn't be as good and tight. And I mean, he's so good right. coming up with loose pucks out of the corner and then finding somebody in this system that it's been, well, I think he's the best left winger in Bruins history. And I played with yeah, a couple I, good ones. Yeah. I, I can't argue with that. He's, he's also, he's also an excellent team guy in the sense of uh, constantly. Uh, and, and I suppose the, the, just the viewer would see this. He's constantly pumping tires on guys like even Greer the other day. He pumped tires on Greer, you know, saying, "No, let's not forget this. This this guy was our hottest hottest scorer in in the uh, preseason. He can't even get in the lineup right now." You know, something there's, there's not a, there's not a lot of guys with Marchand's profile that would even bother bringing that up, right? I mean, yeah, I I, I like Greer, and he's he's a, he's he's a, he's a serious body. He's got good size extremely well-conditioned, whether he's actually going to end up being a factor with this team or have a, have a, a career that's a factor, I don't know. But that said something to me that a guy who's, who's top of the echelon right now would even think, as, as part of casual conversation, to think of the guy who's the 13th forward at the moment. Yeah, that's a, you're right about that. And, and that just adds to his resume in my estimation. D- tell me something else. What why have they not signed Pasternak to a contract? Why do you think? Well, it's, of course, it's the Jacobs <laughs> yeah. money, but hey, the old, the, I mean, the there's old, only old. so much you can spend. And I mean, I don't know what he's worth. He's worth at least eleven now, right? Right, right. So if, it, I, if I figured it was going to come in at eight years, eighty-eight, uh, you know, eight eight years, eighty-eight million. Uh, to kind of match his number, which is sort of what happened with Crosby and uh, Malkin. They had those matching deals. But you know what? Let me ask you this. Do you think there's some risk in giving it all to Pasternak? Well, um, of course there's there's risk. there's always some risk, but... Yeah, there's always risk. Look look at Taves and Kane in Chicago now. Are they worth $10 million a year? You're paying. Right they're being now? paid for their past services. Correct. And Correct. you know, so going long term with anyone 
is usually going to wind up being a bad deal for the club. But they're forced into a corner to sign it. And I think they're kind of forced into signing this kind of a deal because if this year ends with a Stanley Cup championship or run to the finals or even the conference finals, I don't think you're going to see both Bergeron and Krejci come back. I find that highly unlikely. But maybe they do, but they're certainly not going to get any better. True that. Gentlemen, we're going to take our last commercial break real quick, and then we'll come back to the exciting conclusion of this week's episode of Gloves Off Hockey, and we haven't even talked about Bergie hitting a 1,000 yet. So we will be right back in just a flash. And as promised, here we go. Mike Milbury, Kevin DuPont, Ben Rabinovitz, Gloves Off Hockey, right here on 1510 WMEX. Gentlemen, a lot going on. What's your read on Taylor Hall, Kevin? Uh, more of a center than he is a wing. Uh, I, I like him. I think he's, he's a good guy to have on your team, all of that. Uh, he handles the puck a whole lot more than I want him to hold, handle it. I'd, I'd like to see him more of a sh- shoot-first mentality. Uh, he, has a real, he has a real gift knack for bringing it, bringing it uh, lugging the puck more than wingers typically do. Or I, I would say he's high-end at that. I just don't know what the payoff is from it at the moment. I'd like to see him more shot ready and around the net because, again, he's a real body too. That's that's my feeling there. I, I got to go back a half a step if you'll allow me, which is <clears throat> uh, you don't think you know the, the odds are not good for bringing Krejci and Bergeron back. I, I would agree, but what I would love them to do right now is make a deal for Patrick Kane, extend him for four years, and if anything's going to bring those two guys back, it would be the prospect of you know may, maybe playing two or three more years with Patrick Kane. Because I would love to see that, especially with this coach. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you bring up his name, and it's been a, a constant uh, topic of trade rumors. But, you know, when I went to that game on Saturday, in the first period I saw him once. He came to my attention once, which was right. just incredible. Like, it, they clearly don't have the same approach right now. I mean, I know Taves is having a little bit better year, but it just looks like they know. They're, they're not stupid. Players aren't stupid. They know what's right. going on. So, I, I don't know. What are, what are they got? One year left on this deal? This yeah. is it for them, right? They're both UFA. Uh, and, you know, I, I if I were done, it's easy for me to say. If I were Don Sweeney, I'd, I'd jump on it now. I, I, I believe in the guy. I'd love to see him with these two centers. I think it'd be, you know, you would notice Patrick Kane with these two guys as a center. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, when, you know, when a trade occurs like that, that at certain players near the, not the end, because he's still young enough to get some good productivity out of him. But right. talk about a jolt of adrenaline. I mean, that'd just be... For everybody, for, for both the player traded and the team that receives him. Absolutely. What Sweeney has not done and is now seven years on the job is he's made some very good trades. And let's face it, Lindholm is, is a, it has to be an excellent trade. Uh, what, what he has not done is he's, he's not given up real, what I'll call real roster players. In other words, everyday regular players in a, in a real hockey horse trading trade. You know, he's, he's dealt with guys who are prospects, dealt with, in some cases, he's just dealt to get rid of them, Bolesky being one, Bacchus another. But for me, I would want, I, I, I'd be bold enough, and Harry was the greatest at this, saying, you know something, I'll give up one, two, even three roster players to get the very guy I think can make the difference. Prime case, Ally Afraidy. Ally Afraidy was a great trade. Unfortunately, like Rick Nash, showed up with a bad knee. He gave up Juno for him. This is Harry almost 30 years ago. It, 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 it didn't go the way it should have or could have, but I, Ally Afraidy was, was a, <laughs> there was no, he was a unique product. It, it, but with the knee blown out, it, it went upside down. As with Nash's concussion, it went upside down. But I like those trades. I, I would give up DeBrusque and I would give up Carlo to get Kane here. 
Well, yeah, uh, I would too. I'm sure you guys saw the New York Rangers and the Minnesota Wild making a trade today. What appears to be some cap space maneuvering. Ryan Reeves got sent over for a 25th, uh, 2025 fifth round pick, and that's it. So the Rangers. Yeah, that's it. He wasn't playing anymore in New York, so they just dumped him. And I'm surprised that the Rangers haven't quite figured it out. But when you get back to the the Bruins roster, because a couple more questions, and we'll let you go. But is Charlie Coyle the best third line center in the in the league? Yeah, he is. I mean, he's got he's got size. Uh, I, I I don't know. And that said, that, that that might be exactly what he is. Is he a second line center? Well, he's certainly not. He doesn't have he doesn't have Crutchy skill set. He doesn't have Bergeron skill set. All of that. But uh, he's you know when he and he is a perfect case of a guy when he's playing with confidence. He's a whole different product, as most players are. But it's extremely important that he goes out there and feels good about himself, his game, where he is. And I think, you know, I could be proven wrong. We'll find out over the course of three to five years here. But I think this is exactly what he is on a, on a strong team. He can be a very effective third line uh, as a number three center. And you know what? If that makes him the pinnacle of the bottom six, then in, in today's game, we didn't think of that. I, at least I didn't when you were playing. I didn't think of just you know, what is the element of the bottom six or what is the constituency of the bottom six? But if he's sort of, if you will, the captain of that, I think that's that's also a, a prescription for success. Yeah, I, I didn't feel good last year when they were slotting him in at the second line situation, but he, he seems to have handled it well. And no matter who's on his, his, his wing, he does the same things over and over again. I, I think he's the best third line center and we goes to second line center it's just it's not the right role for him and hopefully you know they'll find somebody else to replace Kretschy when that needs to be taken but speaking of which he's starting to hit a stride right playing a little yeah, bit finally, better yeah yeah showing better uh getting his i think some of that's his timing some of his let's face it you go play in in Czechia for as he did for a season it's a whole different speed a whole different expectation uh, you know, he's, he's going to, he, not that I saw any of that action over there, but I've seen some of it. You get away with stuff that you're just not going to get. Most of all, you know, being, being in constant contest for the puck, being con- constantly pushed back against, uh, that, you know, for those of us who remember what the NHL was, uh, in the sixties and the seventies, the, the, the Pucks weren't contested like they are now. They're contested every minute, every shift. That wasn't true in that league, and that that's not true in in, in certainly in where he was playing in Czechia. And would you you'd have to say right now there are a lot of feel good stories on this team. I'm a lot of them, but there can't Absolutely. be any any better feel good story than Nick Foligno's, can there? Oh man, yeah. He was rubbish last year, and he's he's already virtually. I think he's within two points now of equaling his production from last year. But again, you know, some of that more more than we realize, or at least I realize, it was based on off season surgery, and and uh, he got flipped around in a number of roles, and and and, uh, and rightly so because he wasn't fitting in anywhere, he wasn't producing. But you and I talked in that first show that first week, and I. I didn't see much different from him, but boy, I'm seeing it now. He's 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 really good. He's he's exactly as he well. He's I think I think he's exactly what they envisioned when they gave him two years at three point eight million each, which is a guy who's got character, uh, still got some game and some grit to him, and uh, and 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 again, hand in hand with with uh, Charlie Coyle in that bottom six is is a real sort of defining guy while you're trying to work in some people who are who are fi- trying to find their own definitions be it uh you know most of all frederick exactly what is he what is aj greer uh you know all of a sudden <laughs> even no looks good so yeah i mean I, is, is there a weakness here is there something that needs to be addressed i, I can't find team? it right now well I, I, you know I've got two caveats because that's the business I'm in. One caveat is that the number one and two centers are 36 and 37 years old. So I don't know. And, and they're being very liberal. This is Montgomery now. 
being very liberal with maintenance and days off, as he should be. Uh, you know, they're, they're two professional guys, Crutchie and Bergeron. He gives them all the elbow room, from what I can see, all the elbow room they need in terms of rest and conditioning and all of that. Not every coach would do that, as we That's know. That's a fine line to follow. i got to tell you, I, I'm sometimes shaking my head at the days off, but it certainly seems to be working for them. And the, the approach for Krejci and Bergeron might not be the same as for some of the other guys on that team. Amen. Right, right. They, they've got the profile. They're intelligent. They're responsible. You know, as the coach, you should be smart enough. And he is. He's smart enough. Now, I've, I've dealt with coaches before. Wanted everybody there every day and grind it out. Nobody's any different. You know, that's that's not the society. That's certainly not the playing climate or society we're in now. So that's one. You know, I I, don't, I, I hope they are. I, for their just as their well being, I hope they're okay. Uh, my my second one is I do believe, and I may be wrong about this because I've been wrong about a billion things, but I I, I think I, I think they'd be wise if they can, to come up with some sort of Kevin Miller remedy on the back end in terms of intimidation. Uh, and he, he had more to his game, to, to his credit. He had Kevin Miller. He really worked his way up in terms of conditioning and, and ability to skate and all of it. But I, I still believe come, come you know, fish and cut bait time, you got to have a guy back there who can t- intimidate people. I don't see that in, currently in, in this six. It's a lot harder to intimidate in this day and age than it was, but I agree with it you. Is. A little bit more muscle, and, and you might not need that if you could get a little bit more out of Carlo and a little bit more out of Forbert when he comes back. But, I mean, Clifton is the toughest defenseman they have. Or maybe McAvoy. Right. There you go. Right. You, you, so. you, you've sized up exactly what I, I would say there. And for, and they're, they're big. They've got long sticks. Uh, are they going to Are they going to? You know they're going to give anybody a second thought in terms of am I going to get whacked? I don't think they are, and, and I, I like that, even though it isn't a constant factor. It is, but it comes up. And I'll give you a point here: uh, the playoffs might have been entirely different last year for the Bruins if uh, if Lindholm hadn't got delivered to Queer Street and, <laughs> and knocked right out of the playoffs. Right? True. Uh, and that and that wasn't a tough guy who put him out. That was just a guy who who saw the hit, and that was really kind of, in my mind, I hate to blame the victim, but he had his head down, and that's yeah. what happened. Uh, um, so who so challenges the Bruins? Is Tampa going to be up to it again? I mean, I thought the Bruins dominated in that second period. I, I, I think they're, they can't find a way past losing Ryan McDonough. I don't know. I think after 13 wins, you have to say New Jersey might be for real. I think Jersey is for real. I mean, the asterisk there is... Is Vanasek the real goalie that he's looking like at the moment? But that's what they needed. They needed trusty. They didn't need great. They needed decent. I remember talking to Tommy Fitz about this uh, during the, the rookie tournament in Buffalo, and he was absolutely right. He said, we, we, can, we can go back and forth with anybody, but if you can't go back and forth with anybody if you don't have the goaltending, if they didn't have it. So finally they've got what, what looks like bona fide goaltending. We'll, we'll find that out in the long run. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, thanks. Is, and I, th- I love Tampa because I love the coach. Yeah, he's good. He's a good coach. Um, for a guy that didn't play at any kind of level besides high school, played lacrosse in Hofstra, and all of a sudden he's killing it where he's at. Listen, we've got to let you go. We're running out of time. I want to wish you right. a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for your time tonight. Always great insight, and uh, have a good day tomorrow. Thank you. You too. Always a pleasure to be with you, Mike. We'll see you thanks, soon. Yeah. Thank you.